Hey movie fans and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 201. I know all of you checked out the 200th episode or at least you should have. It's probably our best and by that I mean just cobble together all the bits and pieces that are actually funny over the 200 plus episodes. Now we could say 200 plus episodes. Uh, we thought we'd do something a little different, not too different, but a little different. With the release of Black Panther Wakanda Forever this past week, and we're like, we do, but don't want to talk Marvel stuff. Originally, we are going to talk about like the highs and lows of Marvel Phase 4, but we'll talk about it later. I'm just kind of burnt out with Marvel. But... Black Panther Wakanda Forever, as was the case with the first Black Panther, I think has some of the best costume design across the board for almost any comic book movie. I'm just like, you know what? We haven't talked about good costume work and good appreciation of things besides just the acting and the cinematography. I think that's the easy thing to go to. But costume mm -hmm. design is also incredibly important. Costumes exactly. are pretty and can also help tell your story. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Best costume design in movies. But it can't just be a specific character. The whole movie, by and large, has to have excellent costume work. But uh, first, Josh, how are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, another day in the life. <laughs> you are surviving. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm uh, on the tail end of three days off. So I... Uh... Which is like, you know, on the tail end of 10 days on. So there's that. But yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm hanging in there, man. It's I've, I've been doing a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, I got some stuff in the, in the in the can and that hope to release soon. But yeah, dude, I'm just chilling like a villain. It's, you, been a, it's been an interesting week. Are you watching anything interesting recently? Now, in the two um, weeks since we've talked last? <laughs> yeah, uh, I have. Unlike you, I have not been able to go out and see Wakanda forever yet. I know that saying that, being like, "Hey, I've got three days off," and then being like, "No, nah, I didn't go to the movies." Well, yeah, I'm so unfortunately, I've actually been pretty busy um, those days. Uh, I actually sat down and played. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played Munchkin um, before. It's a card, it's like a D and D style card game that's very, very funny. Um, yeah, don't, don't, I, I, okay, for those I'm, that I'm are giving listening. you, I'm giving Josh a look right now, because <laughs> when he starts his sentence by saying, so I was playing this game, I don't know if you've heard of it, my mind immediately went to a different game that came out fairly recently, though, that oh, has Josh's that name written all over it, and has for the past <laughs> few years, and Munchkin was not what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, but to, to be fair, I am, like, I want to say at least 10, 15 hours in to God of War Ragnarok, so, I mean, there's that, I've been, I've been playing that too, you know, so, so as far as, like, watching stuff, not a whole lot, uh, watched, you know, been keeping up with my mom and uh watching gilmore girls uh most almost every night which is hilarious never thought that, that my life would be this as a 30 year old man watching gilmore girls with my mom um don't hate it but uh and because of some very sad events this past week i decided to watch easily one of my favorite uh conroy performances and and watched a few batman beyond episodes yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch something later, as we'll talk about mm -hmm. Kevin Conroy in a little bit here. But um, so I got poster. I got one big, massive poster in the apartment that we switch out every couple months. Like we've got a Christmas one. We've got uh, Halloween related ones. And I was looking for my Christmas vacation one to put up for Christmas time. But I guess that one isn't framed yet. So I need to get a frame. But I do have a mask of the phantasm one. So I put that up in the meantime till I get that. I'm like, you know what? We're going to put Mask of the Phantasm up. Um, since nice. it's been two weeks, I've been incredibly loaded with stuff that I've been watching. Um, yeah. 
Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I already posted my review yeah. to the channel. I love this movie. It is <laughs> it's exactly what you expect when you hear a weird out biography. Um massive, massive air quotes because mild spoiler alert, I don't think the real Weird Al killed Pablo Escobar. Just putting that out there. I don't think or had, <laughs> or had a, uh, a a relationship with Madonna or uh... <laughs> or the entire ending of this movie that I'm not going to say what it is. The entire ending. Uh, but this is so funny. Uh, it toes that line of like, yeah, this actually was true. This was not. And once again, Daniel Radcliffe's comedic ability is so underappreciated. I think everyone still kind of use him as Potter, but. Josh and I, at least, have been like, besides Harry Potter, he's amassed, very quietly, the most diverse modern CV of any actor I could think of. Of, yes, mm -hmm. you've got Harry Potter, but then you've got Weird, you've got Swiss Army Man, you've got Horns, you've got The Lost City. He's all over the place, and he crushes it in almost everything. Guns Akimbo. Uh, I think Gosh, he was... Guns Akimbo was super weird. <laughs> I mean, but like that's let's say like looking at like Swiss Army, Swiss Army Man, where he literally farts across the the sea, and it's uh, beautiful. Yeah. It is gorgeous, honestly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's fantastic. I need to check it out. I don't really have access to Roku. TV, I think he could so. just watch it online somewhere. Roku is a free app, so I think he could probably just find it online somewhere. Um, watch the Redeem Team on Netflix. I don't know why, but every once in a while I get suckered into basketball documentaries about like uh, it was the, I think the 2008 men's Olympic basketball team that had to redeem themselves for getting in third place and got the bronze in 2004. I'm just going. That's not. Maybe it's just me. It's not much of a redemption if you're just like we dominated so much we got third one year and we we threw a hissy fit. I'm just like yeah you're. 2004 squad was soft and you got complacent and international <laughs> players got better like uh, yeah. you just can't throw Kobe in it you want, dog. <laughs> and it, like it's not much of like a redeem team either of like alright cool we lost at the Olympics oh that sucks oh man we got together once like... a year every three years yeah, yeah it, like it's, it's such a small thing it's like I know like the dream team is like quote unquote a big deal and you know I'm sure to people who love the NBA and like I love basketball but like even I understand when uh we're being a little bit too uh overbearing with our pageantry and our like oh yeah of the game like they, like it's cool but like all right whatever dude yeah it was it was fine and then lastly I didn't get to see it in theaters, and I kind of am still mad that I didn't get around to seeing it, but I saw it on HBO Max, Barbarian. And oh, I, yeah. I went into this knowing as little as possible because people were saying, go into this as blind as possible. And I say, go into this as blind as possible. It's not as like, oh my gosh, groundbreaking, like earth shattering twists like halfway through like some other movies, but there is definitely some twists to it. Uh, mm -hmm. Bill Skarsgård is, is in it and he's not the creep this time. He's like an actual nice guy. <laughs> um, Fair. It's a good movie. Uh, Justin Long is in it actually. And it's is he in there for a while. He's, he's in there for a long time, but there also is, like <laughs> Justin Long is developing this oddly specific resume of 
you can have this whole subgenre of weird stuff happens to Justin Long. Like that could be a whole grouping of movies: Barbarian, Tusk, Dodgeball. I don't know. Tusk, <laughs> Jeepers Creepers, Jeepers uh... Creepers. Again, weird <laughs> stuff happens to Justin Long. Justin Long, welcome. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I'd watch that series. I, honestly, maybe it's it's like uh, um, you know how the uh, what are they the shot the, the the like you know the night of the what is it the what is the milkshake trilogy or no oh, no, no the no. cornetto um, trilogy yeah the, i don't know why I said, okay anyway it's like the cornetto trilogy where none of them are directly related to anyone each other but like they all go together this is this is the cornetto trilogy for justin long <laughs> they're not milkshakes they're nick frosties um i i'm suddenly very busy and cannot record the podcast i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah I, I think you should watch barbarian i think you'd be interested in that and also i'm hoping if i can remember my paramount plus password that i totally it totally belongs to me and no one else in my family um <laughs> smile is now on paramount plus and supposedly that's awesome um to which Paramount has very quietly been killing it this year in a year that they so desperately needed to yeah. win. They are winning this year when a lot of other people, <laughs> Disney, are not. So yeah, I've been I've been pretty busy with stuff. Still chugging along on yeah. Gotham Knights. Um, it's not <laughs> awful. It's not awful, people. It's just okay. incredibly mid. Okay. Like it's honestly, it's really not that bad. T- tell me you hang out with teenagers without telling me you hang out with teenagers <laughs> or watch way too much MJF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, but like, hey, like God of War Ragnarok is absolutely incredible. If you liked the first one, you will love the second one. I'm only like, I'm barely even halfway through, um, and they do a lot of things that are very different. Oh, um, I've been meaning to tell. You, I was saving this for 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 the to tell you on a podcast, um, <laughs> and you're gonna give me such a hard time about it, but it's okay. Um, so. <sighs> I know I bring up the, uh, the podcast Dungeons and Daddies Gosh. a lot. You bring it up more than our own show. And I hate that about myself and I'm trying to fix it. But the reason I bring this up is because I found out that the DM for that game is also was also the senior writer for Borderlands 2 and 3 and God of War Ragnarok. So I was like, oh, well, no wonder I get I like it so much. It's like three of some of my favorite games of all time. All right, cool. Which kind of makes me think, are we getting any trailer or any footage for that Borderlands movie anytime soon? I feel like that rap filming like a year ago. Like, I, Yeah, I feel like it's been a long time. I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis was filming that before Halloween ends. I think you're right. Huh. I won't. Do you, okay, so here, are we before we move on? Do we, are we taking bets to see if they like try to put some sort of like interesting like quote unquote filter on it to make it look like the art style of the games, or do, are we just going straight live action? I think it's straight live action. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> oh, like oh, what was that one that Corridor Crew talked about? That animated series. Um, is it Love and Robots? Oh. Love and Robots or um, Arcane? They yeah, about Arcane. If it was like an Arcane style. Oh, dude. Don't get me going on Arcane, man. I, I will sing the praises of that show day in and day out. <laughs> well, let's get into this, the news. And unfortunately, we got to start off on a bit of a sour note or more just a bit of a gut punch in that 
iconic Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy has passed away at the age of 66. What makes it such a gut punch is 66 is really not that old, but also we had no idea that he was in ill health. Granted, the past Mm -hmm. few years, he didn't look in peak condition, but he didn't look overtly sick. And I don't know if we have a cause of death yet, but it was a shock to the to the comic book world to say the least because in a world that is becoming more and more divided in just about any opinion whatsoever everyone seemed to rally around of yeah mark Hamill and kevin conroy they're the best and some people (laughs) myself included still maintain that he's the best batman just period it doesn't matter if he's voice he's yeah voice acting is so much harder than physical acting and i don't get why people don't get that um he will always be my Batman, whether it's like growing up with Batman animated series, which I single-handedly credit for my love of the character, because I've watched that before reading any of the comics. But even now when I go to read the comics, I kind of just mentally automatically process his words when I'm reading it. I kind of have the same thing with Dumbledore when I go back and read Harry Potter. Like I kind of mm. I hear uh richard harris i don't hear michael gambin i hear richard harris's voice but i love that kevin conroy even if he isn't the main batman in whatever project they're working on he's still somehow attached to it like um i believe it was the batman which that's a very underrated batman voice actor the guy that did the batman's voice i really like what he brought to the table as well but kevin conroy voiced thomas wayne in that show which i always love as a small detail um, I still maintain to this day, Mask of the Phantasm is my favorite Batman movie of all time. Robert Pattinson, one of the sequels, I'm sure we'll get to that level. But mm-hmm. then on the flip side, you got Josh with his love of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. And I think <laughs> Kevin Conroy is able to do both incredibly well of Batman in his prime and older Batman. If you had a favorite Kevin Conroy Batman moment josh what stands out more than anything else um that's really really tough because he's done a lot of like i mean the arkham the arkham games that's all him the uh he's done several of the uh dc animated short uh movies which like those everything he always absolutely kills it um his performance in the in the um the and maybe it's because technically speaking you spend more time with him um his performances in the arkham games are it just there's a lot of stuff that that still sticks with me and and but you know like i I, the batman beyond show was something that i i attached to you know being a little gothy emo kid like it's not that big of a surprise that <laughs> that I gravitated towards Batman Beyond, but like especially in especially in Return of the Joker, uh, his performance on that is incredible, and his relationship with Terry McGinnis and all that. But like uh, to me, it's gotta be. I mean, I could be cheap and be like, hey, it's that line from Batman in the Animated Series where he's like, uh, I am vengeance. I am the dark. That's fair. You didn't even fantastic. get it right. I know because it's not even like it's not a show that I've watched a lot. But um, well, I know, which is such a crime. I'm, I'm such a terrible he just, nerd. He's that guy that skipped right to Batman Beyond. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I am that guy. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we're not even going to talk about anything that happened in uh, Justice League Unlimited or, or, or any of those films either. Uh, but like, yeah, it, it's hard for me personally to pick one specific thing. I, if I was going to, I would lean it as a whole on the, the, the Arkham games, I think. Like the Arkham, as I said, Arkham City is still my favorite video game of all time. Yes, even mm-hmm. above any mm-hmm. of the Uncharted's. I can think of a lot that has always stuck with me. You've got the iconic "I am vengeance," "I am the night," "I am Batman" in the oh, Scarecrow yeah, 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 episode. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's iconic. But on the flip side, I know I talk about Mask of the Phantasm all the time. But yes, you've got the big, powerful, scary Batman. But you also have. Breaking down, sobbing Bruce Wayne at his tombs, at his parents' tombstone, going, "I didn't expect this. I didn't expect to be happy. What do you want from me?" Like, it's this, yeah, it's this gravitas and emotional side from Batman you don't often see. And Kevin Conroy, I think to me, why he's always the best Batman is he embodied all the different facets of it, and he's always so proud of the character, but not proud to the point of. He couldn't let others take their own spin on it. It's not like Mm. he was possessive of it. He always wanted to be in the Batman mix. He was totally fine when, um, I'm trying to think it wasn't Troy Baker. He did the, he did, um, Joker, but when someone else voiced Batman for Arkham origins, he was totally Mm. cool with that. Or when you get other Batman animated series, as far as I know, he was totally okay with that. I love and appreciate that. He had this fondness for the character, knew that this character was meant to be shared but that being said we still would always prefer kevin people know kevin conroy's batman whether it's the arkham games whether it's um both the injustice games or honestly a very underrated batman moment when i think it's just like doom when something's coming to Earth, the Superman's like, I could just move the planet out of the way. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Batman just I can't even dead begin down the... to tell you how terrible of an idea that is. <laughs> if I had two weeks, I couldn't tell you. I'll list all the reasons why that's a bad idea. I'm going, it's that when he wanted to, Kevin Conroy also had incredibly dry wit for his Batman that I think mm-hmm. he's just... He's the most complete version of the character that we will probably ever get because movies will always focus on specific aspects, which is totally fine. Every director and actor's up for their own interpretation. Like Pattinson was more the detective so far. Affleck was more of the brawling brute. But Conroy, Mm -hmm. being a voice actor, was able to embody all these different elements. And I think that's why he's lasted for so many people. That's why... He will continue to be the go-to Batman even after his passing for so many people because he's mm. done it for 30 plus years. And thanks to his longevity and his hard work and his excellence in the role, I think he brought a lot of people to Batman that might not have without him, I think. Not, no, I completely agree. And like, it, it's crazy, too, because you get lines like that of, uh, you know, I can't I, if I had two weeks, I couldn't you know describe to you how terrible of an idea that is but then you also get fantastic scenes where i think it's i think it's in justice league unlimited where he comforts what's her name ace oh yes on the swing set um discount raven yeah he's just fantastic like ways of bringing which you know again props to him being a voice actor where you have to somehow convey physicality and emotion 
without and like humanity but also like almost like godliness and no i don't like the use of that word necessarily but that's all i can come up with in the moment but like and to me and as much as i love the guy that does the voice in the batman which again fantastic work in that show um i i think there's a level of humanity that kevin always brought to batman that uh is not really it's not really compared to you can't bring it from other performances now moving to a little bit more upbeat news in the world of dc um chalk this up to some of this is rumor and speculation some of it i think was inadvertent reveals by the higher power i i would throw that term out there and that is that james gunn is continuing to tease future things within the direction of his dcu while on the flip side warner brothers discovery head honcho david zaslev is teasing from a different direction it almost seems like james gunn is like teasing specific characters or asking fans what they want to see and then david zaslev is kind of coming at it from a different perspective of like this is what they're doing so first the james gunn stuff james gunn switched over to mastodon which is some other social media now that twitter's on fire i'm still on the dumpster fire i'm just kind of going i'm just sitting back and watching because this is kind of entertaining and also i'm i'm not tech savvy enough to figure out what mastodon is so i'll just i'll ride on the (laughs) the twitter fire for a little bit longer but i didn't even this is the first i'm hearing about mastodon exactly i'm just i'm just here dog i I just exist (laughs) so james gunn's first post on mastodon was a picture of lobo which everyone was like oh lobo that's cool but then it got coupled with an interview later that same day of i believe brandon davis of comicbook.com that uh asked jason momoa he's like so you see james gunn shared a picture of lobo and this was also in conjunction with a video that jason momoa shared just like a dream of mine is coming true thank you james gunn thank you peter saffron my maestro i'm going maestro is kind of important we'll get back to that um and some people are suspecting that potentially jason momoa could be playing lobo and i'm going a little bit of a reach, but okay. We wouldn't have talked about it had James Gunn not earlier today shared yet another picture, except this time of Mr. Terrific. And I'm going, wow, okay. You are really <laughs> digging deep from the Jeff Johns barrel of obscure characters, aren't you? Yes, sir. Like, they're fans, they're characters that like comic book fans would know, but I'm just like, they're okay. Not like the highest of priorities, but that's still cool. So he's clearly <laughs> teasing some characters that he would like to show at some point. Now, Jason Momoa had no reaction to the Mr. Terrific stuff, as I would I would kind of imagine. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence about if I actually believe that there's any form of correlation between Momoa and the Lobo stuff. Just like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I buy it or not. That being said, I love Jason Momoa's Aquaman. But, 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 but. The big old butt. Lobo does have a big butt. (laughs) I think, honestly, Jason Momoa fits Lobo even better than he does for Mm -hmm. Aquaman. And I love his Aquaman. But, oh my gosh, Jason Momoa is a little too spot on for Lobo. Mm. Like, scary spot on. Now, the maestro thing that he talked about in in his video, like, before anything else... 
There, there's some fans are speculating that he's actually referring to Andy Muschietti, the director of The Flash, because mm. Ezra Miller has referred to Andy Muschietti as Maestro a few times and going, interesting correlation. That could just be like, dude, though, for people of like, I just call you Maestro. I don't know. That could just be a Which lingo. Which is still that. weird. <laughs> but throw the Mr. Terrific thing in there. I'm not sure. I don't see Mr. Terrific as a standalone solo movie person. But then again, before 2008, I don't think people would have said the same thing about Iron Man either. So true. I think James Gunn true. just kind of he's putting the fishing pole in the water to see if there's anything that's biting. If anybody's just like, yes, Mr. Terrific, I feel seen now. Like the Mr. Terrific fandom is all going to stand up and rise and salute him. Um, I think he's more kind of gauging fan interest. And supposedly he's actually reached out and been like, all right, fans, what would you like to see from DC? What what stuff would you like to to see from us make going forward? And David Zaslav, I'll let Josh talk and we'll talk about the David Zaslav stuff in a second here. But he said that totally. um, James Gunn and Peter Safran are almost to the end of figuring out what the end of this roadmap is and ha- having everything charted out. Looking at just the James Gunn stuff with the Mr. Terrific, with the Lobo stuff, Josh, what are you making of all this? I think a lot of it is going to, it's kind of going to depend on the, as always, almost everything in the DCEU is right now. It's going to depend on the outcome of Flash. If Flash literally resets everything, there's absolutely an opportunity for Jason Momoa to come in as Lobo. Lobo. Um, Lobo's a character from Apex, anyway. Um, <clears throat> it, which is like, like you said, something I'm super, super down for. I just, I really like his Aquaman, and I don't know who we would get to replace him if he wasn't Aquaman. Um, that being said, I saw I was talking talking about this before we started, but um, I saw a fan cast of of, of Carl Urban as Lobo, and. Honestly, like if we can combine like Carl's uh, Judge Dread with Carl's uh, Butcher from the, the from the boys, like that's just like that's a perfect <laughs> perfect amalgamation of uh, of Lobo, and it could be a lot of fun. I, I I think there's a lot of options there. Um, I would not be surprised if Lobo shows up in season two of Peacemaker. That absolutely feels like something that could totally happen. Um, maybe not so much as other characters like a green arrow or yeah, I'm still or, not off the green arrow thing. Yeah, same. Um, but I, I, I can totally see. Um, I can totally see James using Peacemaker or having Lobo appear in a Peacemaker style, uh, setting. Maybe doing a show of of Lobo on HBO Max because Lobo is one of those characters that you either go balls to the wall or you don't do him. You can't do. You can't really like kind of do Lobo. Mm-hmm. It, like they kind of tried to do Deadpool before the Deadpool movies. You kind of have to go all the way in. See, I don't know if they'd introduce Lobo in Peacemaker because, and maybe it's just me. Peacemaker, I know it's alien butterflies and whatnot, but by and large, it's still very grounded in earth stuff whereas lobo is very galactic and cosmic we'll eventually get there i'm sure but i could see lobo showing up in a green lantern series first yeah you know one that just recently got reworked and is becoming something else hmm um (laughs) but james gunn is teasing of just like hey would you like to see this would you like to see this and supposedly him and peter saffron are almost done at the end of their roadmap well david zazov the ultimate hype man that he is 
kind of <laughs> hyped up what they're doing or clarified without actually saying what he what it was that he's clarifying but in the same sense maybe gave away more than he was expecting because he's just yeah. like we're gonna go for a more unified version of our universe we're not gonna go around having four batmans to which my mind immediately went oh you're gonna need to clarify that because i don't think that's a bad choice i know some people are really excited of just the prospect mm -hmm. of having pattinson keaton affleck um Oh, uh, feel like there's one that I'm missing, but like having all these different Batman's at once, I'm just yeah. like I've never been a huge fan of that. And I know some people are just like, well, he says we're gonna cut down on how many Batman's we're having. Does that mean they're gonna force Robert Pattinson into this DC universe? I'm going no. He says we're not gonna have four Batman's. I interpreted that as we're going to have two Batman's. We're gonna have Pattinson, and we're gonna have whoever our DC universe Batman is moving forward i don't want to burst people's bubble but i don't think it's ben affleck and i no, definitely not i would totally be fine if he does come back the yeah. reason i don't think it is is because ben affleck had such a miserable experience in the past with fan reaction of yeah yeah i would love to do yeah. other stuff his experience on uh live by night I think is the reason why he's not coming back as Batman because yeah. he made his own movie non-comic book related in the interim and every question he got on every press tour was about Batman. And he's like, dude, I made this other thing. Please talk about that this other thing. And I totally get that. So I don't know if Ben Affleck would ever come back. I know he's got a deep love for the character, but also you and I have talked about it many times as great as Ben Affleck's Batman is. Having an old Batman from the start kind of limits the storytelling possibilities that you can have. So what I think David Zasloff is talking about here is we are not going the multiverse route. I think yeah. when Walter Hamada was in charge, who uh, is now over at Paramount, apparently, he got picked up real quick. Um, when Walter Hamada was in charge and wanted nothing to do with the Zack Snyder stuff out of pure spite, which... I get that you're not a Zack Snyder fan, but sometimes you have to work with people you don't like. And I think he went way too far to the left trying to overcorrect, quote-unquote, overcorrect yeah. Snyder stuff that he was going to end up shooting himself in the foot with this, like, multiverse stuff. Flash is supposed to open the door to the multiverse of that's canon, that's canon. And I think what Zaslav is saying is not that we're not going to have that, but we're focused on one singular told cohesive universe as opposed to blow up in this big multiverse and i saw people complain about that like well marvel's doing a multiverse i'm like marvel has a 10-year cohesive jump start on the dc <laughs> universe you can get a multiverse when you get your one universe in line first also that's assuming that the the multiverse thing is going well and it is uh in my opinion not and i haven't seen wakanda yet is not going well uh no, there's no multiverse stuff in wakanda with it's one of those like every issue that i i think you and i had was like hey this is going to be a problem this is going to be a stumbling stumbling block this is going to be a stumbling block everything that we said about i guess this is a side note for marvel multiverse uh the problems with bringing in multiverse storyline to the general public it's going to be hard to follow and you're going to have a lot of setup that's not going to make sense until you pull pull the rug out and be like look see it, this was our plan all along um which is not necessarily going to be a thing uh i not necessarily going to be a good enough payoff i think is what i want to say a good enough payoff for marvel fans 
that being said, um, Zaslov saying that, you know, we're not going to have four Batmans, which makes sense. Please, let's not do that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I would, I don't want uh, Battenson to lose his trilogy. Because I don't I'm think that's fe- getting touched. I don't think that's getting yeah, touched I at agree. all. Because, A, because I think it's so good. Um, I think it, they, they realize how good of a job Matt Reeves is doing with that character that at the, at the very least giving him a trilogy and then, and then just moving on is perfect. I think that's totally fine. I think fans will not be confused by that. Um, that being said, I think the only reason I feel that not do going with Pattinson going into, into like a justice league scenario I only feel like that because of the Batman movie that we have right now. I own, it's a, such a base level year one Batman. And there was no point in like any, uh, if you've gone and watched the animated movie, a uh, year one Batman year one, at no point did I look at that Batman and go, you know what? I can't wait for you to, you, you should interact with, uh, with Superman and flash like right now. That makes total sense for your character when like the first like i would say five ten years of batman he's only focused on gotham that is the only thing i want to do is just make gotham better um so yeah for him for 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 the bat the battenson right now absolutely does not make sense for him to be a part of a larger a larger world um but still i i I don't see I'm not 100% sure if that's the direction they want to go with him. Uh, with that being said, I don't know who else you bring in then <laughs> because you got to what? You go like a, with somebody who's late 30s, early 40s, not quite um, not quite Batflack, not, but like not so young with uh, Battenson. So I, I, Nathan, I, Nathan looks like he's got some, some ideas. So, uh, I do not. So <laughs> you brought it up, Josh. You guys missed the boat. As much as I like Ben Affleck, you clearly missed the casting of this obvious candidate right in front of your face the last time. So you can right the wrong and cast him this time. Josh said he'd be great Lobo, but I think he'd be an even better Batman. Carl Urban has been my top choice for Batman for about 10 years now. Because just look at Dread, a character that only speaks with the lower half of his face and keeps his mask on the entire time. And is grumpy and has a up-and-coming assistant hmm that sounds very suspiciously like batman to me and carl (laughs) urban i think is a very talented actor the only problem is he is closer to affleck's age but i i've thought carl urban would be a great batman for a while i think the other reason this is important is just zaslav coming out and reassuring people okay just like the comics we are milking batman but leaving other characters high and dry he made a point of vince like hey Batman's getting used all the time, but Superman has gotten barely any shine. We're going to fix that. And I I have full confidence that, yes, James Gunn likes his obscure characters, but I'm sure we're going to get the big heavy hitter soon. Um, It just, if anything, makes me very curious about circling the calendar for next year's Comic-Con because... Mm You, I'm sure DC is going to announce quite a few things, but also Marvel still has to announce Phase Six at some point. If that happens there's on the same day, <laughs> there's going to be a Phase Six. No way. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Hmm, fair, very fair. Well, 
Speaking of moving on to the next phase, John Wick is entering the next phase of his life, so to speak. As it, we get the trailer for John Wick Chapter 4, which I have my own issues with this, in that we have John Wick, the great underrated action movie, the John Wick Chapter 2, then John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. I'm going, oh cool, we're naming them now. Nope! John Wick Chapter 4, we're back to just chapters, so we're gonna have this one awkward one-off John Wick that was titled something, and now the rest of them aren't. It's just a weird nitpick, but that, putting that aside, John Wick is one of the most reliably entertaining action franchises for me, and I knew that I'd be invested in this because... Oh yeah, Donnie Yen's in this. So Josh is going to be there as soon as humanly possible. I actually <laughs> forgot Bill Skarsgård was in this. And I'm going, oh, he looks like if The Miz was in a John Wick movie in terms of just having the most punchable <laughs> face in an action how, movie yeah, in the world. How, how does Bill, like, I know he's older than me, but how does he always consistently look like he's this young, schmarmy 25-year-old who is just, like, here to take over your world in the worst possible way? Yeah, like, oh. But the new the trailer for John Wick 4, 4 is fantastic. With your boy Donnie Yen. Dude, okay, so let me let me get this straight, okay? Just just let me get this straight. You're going to tell me we're doing a fourth John Wick film. And you got, you know, Keanu Reeves, who's fantastic. Love him. Love him to death. Uh, you're going to put in Johnny, Johnny, uh, Donnie Yen, who is easily one of my favorite action stars, you know, martial arts stars are out there. Um, but also, my boy Scott Adkins is going to be in this film. Is he? Oh, Bill yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, like, dude, there's so... I'm, I'm going to bring... Yeah, talk, talk about your feelings, but I don't want to bring up the cast list because I am getting literally the only person that's missing is tony jaw that's literally the only person that's missing so okay while you look up the cast list i'm just gonna throw this theory out there i think even if you look up the cast list there's gonna be one name that'll make a surprise cameo on a day armis because they're currently filming ballerina the spinoff from john wick 3 Mm -hmm. when we met the the ballerina hit squad more or less um That's filming right now, and I would not be surprised if, yes, I know that more or less gets spun out of John Wick 3. I wouldn't be surprised if we meet that character very briefly in this one first to kind of set that up. Um, I agree. I really, really dug this trailer. However, I will put out a bold prediction now. This trailer is proposing of, all right, John, you've done all this bad stuff, and apparently him and Winston are just cool. They're like, oh, yeah, you you shot me off off a building. It's cool. Thanks for not aiming for the head. I'm pretty sure that's how the conversation will go. We're good now. (laughs) Yeah. But supposedly John Wick, once again, can get himself out of the trouble that he's caused, and he can be a free man if he can beat Pennywise in a duel at (laughs) sunrise. And of course, um, the guy from uh, Barbarian that we talked about earlier today is going to throw every obstacle in his way to make sure that doesn't happen. I'm predicting now, in true John Wick fashion, John will miss the cutoff just barely. Like, he will be late just barely due to Bill Skarsgård's interference. Now, they say in the trailer, if you're not there for the duel, you will be executed. My prediction now is John Wick will be late by, like, a minute or just barely miss the duel, and he'll be up for execution. But Winston steps in 
and he's mm-hmm. executed by Bill Skarsgård and his guys, setting up John Wick 5, which is a full-on revenge for the death of his mentor figure in Winston for John Wick 5, because somehow they've got to keep these going. They're going to keep yeah. going and going, and John Wick will never be able to catch a break. Also, I just want him... I, I need, at some point, either this movie or another future John Wick movie, John Wick and the concierge to be like the two last men standing and go just maul through everyone because the concierge is the real MVP of these movies. No, oh, he really is. Uh, and it's going to be interesting. We're going to see more of uh, of uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. We're going to see more of... Um, uh, I, I'm really curious who... Um, it's the, the the I think it's the guy with the the gla- uh it's Sh- Shimazu is is the character in the in the movie. It's, oh uh, yeah, the guy that was yeah, um yeah. in Mortal the most recent Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love him in pretty much everything he's in. But yeah, I I'm gonna be very very curious because there's a line and I need to, need to go back and rewatch the trailer and make sure I heard it right. Um, there's a line in the trailer that is some interesting plot details that was not discussed in the previous movies. Um, it's something about like, so it, it Winston basically, like, Hey, you've been invited to come to the table uh, to kind of be set free or whatever. And John's like, um, I thought you had to have family at the, at the table to be able to, you know, come and meet. And he's like, well, you do. Um, yeah. Your family has been on the table. I'm going, what, what, um so i'll be curious uh it will be a little bit like because there's a lot of john's past that we do not know and there's for for better or for worse that that is kind of a cool detail about him um but that being said how wild would it be that if john finds out that he is actually like his family's the one that set up the table in the first place and like set everything I and mean, which is very like assassin savior fantasy novel kind of thing that i could i could totally see happening but like i it's just there could be some really 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 cool fun stuff to happen if he ends up being like if it ends up being like hey yeah like i'm actually like all y'all's boss so uh this is weird not a position i want to be in but i'll take it (laughs) or you could absolutely 100 see kiana do the classic my family created the table I guess it's my turn to end it, and I will. Or just something like something. Yeah. Not. I don't want to say cheesy because it may not be the right, the right terminology for this. But John Wick movies are always very aware of what they are. They, they <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> that line in the trailer where he's like, "I'm gonna need a god." <laughs> Going like, yes, John. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just John. We know that's your thing. <laughs> What I need, maybe, maybe they'll do it for this one. I highly doubt it. Of, it's just John Wick, the gun game. He starts off with no weapons, and he has to kill someone with his bare hands. Then he gets a pencil. Then he gets a knife. Then he gets a pistol. Then he gets a shotgun. And he like has to go through a whole rotation to finally <laughs> to the point that he's he's killing the, the last boss with a rocket launcher. It's him and Scarsgard <laughs> rocket launcher face off. <laughs> I love it. I, I I would pay to see that. I mean, I'm going to pay to see this regardless. But oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there ain't a way I'm not seeing this in theaters. And it's honestly just how soon before John Wick 5? Because they want to keep making these because 
Keanu's not getting any younger, but I appreciate that with each passing movie, they're trying to add more lore and depth to it. It's not just, here's guy in black suit, he's gonna kill some people. Uh, there's actually interesting stuff to it, like um, whatever is happening with that Continental show. I know it got moved, I think, from Peacock to like Amazon or Paramount or someplace, or it got moved to Peacock. Whatever's happening with the Continental show, I'm still curious about what's going on with that. Uh, I'm curious about the ballerina show, and that's all because this these movies have done such a good job of setting up the universe. It never feels like they're trying to sequel bait us, like Amazing Spider-Man 2 situation. This feels yeah. like if spinoffs happen, it's because they happen naturally. Like, if tomorrow they came out and said, Common's character from John Wick 2 is getting a spinoff movie, I'd go, okay. I'll probably be interested in that. He's still alive. John Wick left a big old knife in his chest, but he's still alive. I'd I'd be curious about that. I agree. Um, or even just like, oh, sorry, even just seeing like some more of Holly Berry's character and like her backstory oh, could be her and the dogs, dude. And those dogs make an appearance in the trailer. So I, dude, I'm so excited. Also, Nymphadora like, tongues from Harry Potter. Oh, dude! Like she. Oh, I'm just excited. This, this is gonna be so much fun. I can't. I can't. I'm just, oh man. Gung Gun Fu is in this. <laughs> so what you're telling me is Christian Bale's gonna come and talk in, come in and talk about equilibrium. It's not the last time we'll talk about <laughs> equilibrium looking stuff. <laughs> Moving on from one action franchise to another, Indiana Jones. We're still kind of waiting on anything related to Indiana Jones yep. 5, but supposedly, according to reports, we'll get a trailer for that before the end of the year. So my brain's going in front of Avatar. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but it seems like now Disney Plus is developing an Indiana Jones spinoff show, to which I just go, you have had Disney Plus for three years, and you're only just now realizing you can do this? Like... <laughs> Guys, <laughs> when, you guys you made bought, when you bought Lucasfilm, you got more than just Star Wars. I know you've been milking that ridiculously and will continue to do so. But guys, I know Indiana Jones could be a little bit of a legal kerfuffle. And that's why all the Indiana Jones movies are on Paramount Plus and not Disney Plus. But that didn't prevent you from making your own Indiana Jones show a long time ago. When you bought Lucasfilm... What in your brain made you go, you know what? We're going to make a Willow TV series before we make an Indiana okay, Jones series. No, 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 no. Okay, look, I'm with you, but you do not need to disparage the good name of Willow, okay? I'm not a Willow fan, but come <laughs> on now. What is higher on the priority list, do you think, making a Willow show or capitalizing on the Indiana Jones property? Uh well, uh they were making Uncharted at the time, so they don't really care, you know. <laughs> we kind of got Uncharted. Uh, it's fitting I'm that not... Uncharted is now on Netflix. It feels like a Netflix movie. <laughs> got him. Um, but yeah, not like like you said, like the, the how long? Were we... and, and it's gonna be one of those things of like if you go down the Lucasfilm uh, catalog, it's like how long until we actually get to some of these these other pro some of these other ones? Yeah, like can you imagine doing like a uh, an ET like? That's Amblin. See, is it? That's I thought Amblin. that was Lucasfilm, though. Well, no, no, no. Okay. There I, is yeah, E.T. Because... sequel. It's called E.T. The Ride at Universal Orlando. Gross. 
Don't Can't go don't anywhere. Come at me with that. <laughs> I yeah, but there's just like a lot of um very interesting things that they could do, and it's like okay, cool. So we're just now doing an indie show. So I think the big question here is that is it actually about indie or is it just in that world of Indiana Jones? Do we think it's about his mentor or do we think it's about Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> it's not going to be about Shia. It's not going to be about Shia. Um, so again, Disney and Lucasfilm have not officially confirmed anything about this show. My first thought would be it might be spun out of the movie, like Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. I can imagine that, but maybe they're hoping that she resonates with fans so that she can get her own movies. Supposedly, what what we're hearing is this could be a show revolving around Indiana Jones's mentor, Professor Ravenwood, aka Marion's father, who we I don't think we ever saw, but Marion, the guy, the girl that Indy always ended up with at the end of both Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and Raiders, which don't think too hard about that relationship. It'll only lead to sadness but i'm going okay that's an interesting route so you don't have a young indiana jones because you don't have the rights to young indiana jones because like i said that's on paramount plus which i still think is weird but at the same time you could just reboot young indiana jones because i know that does have its fan base supposedly from everything i heard that got canceled because i had too expensive of a budget doesn't matter with disney plus well with Chapek's budget cuts that he's instilling now even more so yeah. than usual that might be a problem um i'm i would be curious about a professor ravenwood show of mm-hmm. it's a character that really has not been expanded upon in the movies i'm sure that in subsequent like books and novels and whatever else he might have more backstory but young indiana jones we kind of know what that is both from the show and even from mm-hmm. last crusade we got a little bit of what a young indie was like I don't know if they want to do a young Henry Jones senior of like his father. That could be interesting, but at the same time, maybe have something in the world of Indiana Jones, but completely distant. My worry is they'll like shoehorn in references that don't make sense. They'll be like, Professor Ravenwood was the one that gave him the fedora. I'll be like, we saw Boo. Last Crusade. That's not how that works. <laughs> we we have an origin for Indiana Jones of all of his crucial stuff. So I. I I'm all for more treasure hunting stuff, naturally. Um, mm-hmm. I'll still be checking out National Treasure, the TV show. I think it's next month, whether it's good or not, just out of morbid curiosity <laughs> and treasure hunting. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know what to make of this. I, I think I it either. all really depends on, do you just want, do you have an actual idea for this? Or you just realize, oh yeah, we have the rights to Indiana Jones too. And we can make those <laughs> the TV show. Let's do it. more content for disney plus hurry go 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 yeah i just honestly to me as much as i know like i know how much you love indie um it's not something that like i'm obsessed with or really have fond memories of um i thought you loved indie movies (laughs) i'm honestly just waiting for a howard the duck uh remake um (laughs) he is in the mcu guys he is in the he MCU. Is a, he, is a, he is a Lucasfilm movie as well. So. And he was in the Battle of Endgame. Uh, give me Howard the Duck. <laughs> Directed by Taika Waititi. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. He's not funny anymore, remember? Oh. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but you know who is still funny? 
Sean Levy, also known as that guy that's quietly built a really, really steady resume of reliable work as a director. Uh, not familiar with his work? I don't know, maybe about half the episodes of the first two seasons of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. um, Night at the Museum, the greatest mm-hmm. kids show of all time, the famous Chet Jackson, in which not only did he direct <laughs> the show, but he played the director of the show on the Chet Jackson show within a show. It's so meta <laughs> and brilliant. Um, he most recently did Freak Guy with ryan reynolds he's gonna be doing deadpool 3 with ryan reynolds but also some other ryan reynolds movie called the adam project is interesting to bring up to this conversation because the adam project had one or two um star wars similarities well i think disney took notice they're like oh in your movie you you gave a character a lightsaber you've had your character use a lightsaber in two of your movies now you want all of your character has lightsabers we're trying to fix star wars can can you can you give some of our characters lightsabers and fix our franchise (laughs) that's exactly what's happening because sean levy is doing a star wars movie now yeah i would be Uh, excited (laughs) until uh deadpool 3 goes bad and then and then disney's like uh uh, or kathleen kennedy's like oh sorry bad movie sorry you're out bye that is exactly why I can't get too excited for this. I love Sean Levy. Um, I think Real Steel is one of the most underappreciated movies of the past 15 years. I really love the first Real Steel. Well, first and only Real Steel, unfortunately. But supposedly Disney Plus is doing a show, I think. Um, I would be excited for this. If Lucasfilm and Star Wars didn't have like a 50% completion percentage when it comes to directors of i go lower than that dog <laughs> yeah it's it's not something to be excited about unfortunately because like who knows maybe sean levy will fart too loudly and kathleen kennedy would be like nope bye kathleen kennedy is not vince mcmahon <laughs> mm, okay sure uh, if you want to say that buddy uh yeah no I'm, i mean regardless like I think you and I are both hesitantly excited. Um, Sean, whatever he brings to any project, I'm I'm excited for. I don't think I've seen a movie of his that I didn't enjoy. Um, so, and like, there's this, like, how do I say this? Almost like childlike wonder to the movies that he, he puts out. I, I, that's not quite what I wanted, but like, it definitely is like this, th- this like le- area of filmmaking that doesn't take itself too seriously but also takes it seriously at the same time that i think could be a lot of fun in a in a star wars context um i think the big question in here is um what do you want him to do what kind of story do you want him to tell something away from the original trilogy for the love of god um the beautiful thing about sean levy is he's kind of like when you want spielberg but you can't afford spielberg and you want more originality yeah. and less copywriting than J.J. Abrams. Because J.J. Abrams will just lift Spielberg verbatim and be like, I yeah. love Spielberg. You want to see how much I love Spielberg? Did you like Super 8? That was my love letter and my fanfic to Steven Spielberg. Whereas Sean Levy, I feel like, has a little bit more of a director's identity of like, oh, this is a Sean Levy movie. Yes, he's clearly inspired by Spielberg, but at no point does it feel like he's ripping off Spielberg like J.J. Yeah. would. That being said, yeah. I still liked Force Awakens, and I think it's the best of the sequel trilogy by a wide margin. And if J.J. came back to Star Wars and had more of a cohesive vision, I wouldn't hate that either. Um, I 
I don't want it in the original trilogy. Can we please, for the love of God, get away from the original trilogy? For someone that shot down the original trilogy showing up in the parks uh, for Galaxy's Edge because they're so focused on the sequel trilogy, we keep going back to the original trilogy a lot for someone that says, we're not focused on the original trilogy anymore. Obi-Wan and or... Um, I don't even want something post Return of the Jedi. I've been saying forever, set something before Phantom Menace, like hundreds, thousands of years before Phantom Menace. That way you have full, complete freedom, carte blanche, do whatever you want. I think that's what they were planning on doing with the Taika Waititi movie. And if that actually happens, great. Mm -hmm. But I think given how Thor Love and Thunder came out, we joke about it, but I fully expect Kathleen Kennedy to fire Taika Waititi. I don't think she should, but because she's done it in the past. She did it with yeah. Colin Trevorrow, firing him off of Star Wars 9 because of the Book of Henry. She fired Josh Trank because of Fan Forstick and other stuff that happened on the set of that movie. Um, you lost Lord Miller, and they were actually did 90% of that movie, but they still got fired for a lackluster job, supposedly. Then you get the world's safest director with Ron Howard. You, have, you lost Patty Jenkins. I don't believe you actually keep your talent, so I want to get excited for this. But I don't... I can't until the movie actually yeah. comes out, and even then, I'm like, eh, did you make, like, half of this, and then some committee came in? Like, I don't, I don't even think a name like Taika Waititi is safe nowadays, and also his schedule is building up with so many other things. I'm just happy to see that Sean Levy, a name that's been consistently doing work, pretty below the radar for a while now is starting suddenly like thrust into these major projects whether it's star wars whether it's deadpool 3 which is shaping up to be a lot more significant than we thought it would be a few months ago like yeah deadpool 3 might be the movie that actually branches together the multiverses and actually kind of starts making things a little bit more cohesive and make a lot more sense if those owen wilson rumors make any sense or are true in any context but i just want a good movie i just want a good coherent star wars movie that's actually a movie and not just a drawn out tv show that should have been a movie looking at you obi-wan <laughs> yes agreed should have been a film would have been better as a movie um i i agree i give me i know we're getting high republic allegedly but like Give me before that. Give me old time. Give me histories of planets we've been to, but we have like we're doing, you know, millennia before we ever visit them in the original trilogy. Like, I, I just I would love to. Can you imagine if we went back two or three millennia to when Tatooine was covered in water? Like, oh, that would be like such an interesting take. And like, I don't know. There's just so much. The, the the there's so much so many stories you could tell without even pulling from the extended the the non-canon universe um i would love to get something revan related i'd love to give something darth bane related would love to get something um you, you know what do it i dare you sean go lean full on into the jar jar um <laughs> a sith lord thing could you imagine though like a sean levy style movie with dark with a dark jar jar it could actually be kind of fun so this will never happen disney will never let this happen because it might be like the ultimate you can either nail this out of the park or fans will hate you forever type of movie but i would lose my mind if we got star wars the first Jedi. Ooh, 
or Star Wars The First Sith, Rise of the Sith, or Rise of the Jedi. I, I would still kind of stick with The First Jedi. We've had The Last Jedi. I think it would be super cool to be like, hey, hey y'all hated The Last Jedi? Suckers. Here's The First the Jedi. First it was one. all planned all along. <laughs> Would be interesting too, even to um, actually have some live action ex- exploration of the Gray Jedi. That could be a lot of fun as well. I think we'll get um, that in the Ahsoka show, actually. I mean, I, I agree because I think she technically labels herself as one. Yes. I think. But yeah, there's a lot of options out there that I like that Taika and Sean could, could, could deal with. And I'm excited to see where we go with Star Wars because I need a give me a good Star Wars project. Dang it. Well, as per usual, this episode is sponsored by Tee Public, your one-stop shop for all things Uncharted Media merch, whether it is t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, whatever you want with the Tee Public with the Uncharted Media logo the on T-Public it. Tee Public logo. Yes, get a Tee Public <laughs> shirt with a Tee Public logo on it. Uh, whatever you want with the Uncharted Media logo or some other fantastic designs, tinfoil hat theory shirt, got a great mug. <laughs> Whatever you want, support the show. And if you haven't already subscribed to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and also share us with your friends and family that are also fellow movie fans or just are looking for podcasts to check out because we're always looking to grow our audience. Now, let's talk about costume designs. I think that often I think gets overlooked. And I feel like music gets talked about more, mm-hmm. but I would still kind of lump it in that category of we really should pay more attention to it because one, it helps with the aesthetic of a movie, but also can help yeah. tell the story. It's not on my list today, but I love when movies use it to help their narrative a la Star Wars. Look at uh, Luke Skywalker in the original movie wearing all white because he's still pure and innocent and good, even though he's a whiny brat. And then by the end of it, he's wearing complete black but then you're like oh is he gonna turn to the dark side like his father but then when he beats the crap out of his father the flap opens and it was white on the inside proving that he was still good underneath that's brilliant costume work right there that helps tell the story so i have more recent stuff because i try to put stuff that i have personally seen that being said i feel Mm -hmm. like i still maintained a pretty decent variety here and also some people are going to be mad because i have a movie that's terrible, but has brilliant costume design that tries to save the rest of the movie, but it doesn't really work. I mean, same. <laughs> I bet you we have the same one, actually. I bet you it's the same one. I think um, it's it is. So interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting, though, it's because like um, costume design is one of those things that like when it's it's kind of like CGI when it's good you do not notice it when it's when it's doing its job you do not notice how how good of a job it's doing um it, it's kind of like why you know most costume design stuff it, it deals with not just one character not just you know the, an ensemble it deals with the costume design of the entire like everybody that appears on camera right which is why like uh, we deal with these issues where like oh why have marvel movies never been um you know done for best costume and blah 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 and like uh, i think some what, of them have i'm uh, maybe maybe nominated but at least I, one of them winning. i think has been because that'll be the one that i talk about yes but like in th- it's a very very specific scenario uh but, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that like costume design isn't just one person it's got to be everybody and there's that i think that's that's a lot of like at the oscars and stuff that's a lot of the reasons why we get like period pieces and stuff like that that people that they get nominated because 
to their credit, <laughs> making sure that a, a cast of 200 people are all historically accurate is harder than having three people wearing cool costumes and everybody else wearing street clothes. Um, or in the case of Marvel uh, movies, having just kind of okay costumes and everyone else wearing street <laughs> clothes. I still think the Marvel costumes could be better. I I honestly, I think they're over-designed. If, yes. if, we, if we really want to get into that, there, there, there's too much going on. You did like the whole point of having a comic book suit. A comic book suit is to have something that is recognizable off the bat, not like, "Hey, this gets puts in front of you. What am I? What am I looking at? Who's that? I don't know who that is." Um, but yeah, it's there's a lot of really really cool stuff on my list that I'm looking at. But like, it's I've only got one that's one character but no 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 i got a couple that are that are character specific but it, yeah that's how many you got total i'm curious i'm curious to see if our brains are once again in sync or if they're backstreet which boys. is hilarious which is really funny because like we i both of us have been so busy uh like we have not texted each other a whole lot about this so if we end up getting very similar vibes it's gonna be hilarious i bet you we do <laughs> all right once what again you, we have the same leave? brain it just gets shipped back and forth <laughs> to hell brain sales <laughs> how many do you have um, i have uh i think 11 <laughs> yeah 11 as well one two on three, the four, nose. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. yeah 11 <laughs> <laughs> that's great i love that <laughs> Wait, hey, so for those who are listening, normally I text Nathan at some point. Uh, either <laughs> you know, we record on Tuesdays, either on Monday or like Tuesday afternoon. We're like, "Hey, man, how many how many are you going with?" That did not happen this time at all. Like, we've been very quiet just because been so busy and stuff. But like, <laughs> I'm gonna laugh. I'm. It's gonna be so funny when we both just hit the same people. The same. They're gonna ones. be just completely out of order, but they're gonna be the exact same list. I was like, oh, I'm I, gonna be different this time. I'm gonna have an odd number. I'm not gonna go for like a top ten. I'm gonna have eleven. It'll be different. Of course, Josh has eleven too. That's that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Great. All right, um, I have two superhero movies, a couple of fantasy, some horror, and some old school, and a bad movie. Let's go. Uh, what? Where are we diving first here, Josh? Do you think? You know what? Let's hit. Do you have? Do you have anything sci-fi? Yes, I have one sci-fi. Let's, all right, let's hit sci-fi first. I don't think this is going to be on Josh's list, but probably in terms of when I was looking at costume design, I was thinking of like instantly iconic to the point of it became a trend that other people kind of stole from for a while. Yeah. And we joked about equilibrium earlier in this episode of Christian Bale mm -hmm. and equilibrium absolutely gets. And I think justifiably accused of ripping off the matrix except having yes, the does. colors inverted of oh your character is in white instead of black leather um that doesn't make it more interesting um but the matrix for me has one of the best like costume designs is it the matrix it's i, I yes no <laughs> I just like I don't I personally don't understand the hate that uh, equilibrium equilibrium gets because um, Josh is not I, is off his equilibrium. I personally, I pr personally enjoy equilibrium quite a bit, uh, but yeah, it's it's basically it's so similar. But then again, you could say the kind of the same way a thing about like 
if you can if you put like the for vendetta in, in that mix as well like the the top leaders the, all that that kind of um that kind of costume design is intentionally done that way but like I, yeah keep going where you're going with me i thought about putting v for vendetta on this list but it really is just v's design and then there's everyone yeah. else because they're going for more of a grounded realistic approach to everything Correct. But the Matrix, for a while there, everyone was making fun of the slow-mo and parodying it, but everyone was also trying to replicate the black leather. Um, Blade came out around this same time. I'm not saying Blade kind of took from it, but it has a very <laughs> similar aesthetic. There's a, there's a, there's a screen rant video that's, uh, that's done by the, the pitching guys that's about uh, like this fake... Um, the costume designer and he's like you got a character why not just put him in a, in a leather jacket <laughs> yeah yeah like heather and i are currently watching smallville in season nine he's basically got neo clothes whenever he's quote-unquote the blur if he's just got like yeah. this long well it's not leather but it's just long black coat shirt and pants i'm just going <sighs> but it's one of that instantly iconic look and everyone's kind of got their yeah. own aesthetic that they're rocking like neo is slightly different than trinity who's slightly different than morpheus it's just once again though i know the joke's already been made and i'll make it anyway because i'm lazy but realistically how did they sneak up on anyone with all that leather like i've seen videos where they're like <laughs> dub in the squeaking i'm just like that's yeah that's so much better but come on <laughs> if you 1999 belongs to the matrix and it's just that look is iconic it's the costume just green and leather was just 1999 in a nutshell <laughs> i think you could add in triple x in, in that in that <laughs> scenario too it's not like the leather but it is leather but like a different like a different level of it like yeah absolutely 1999 was wild kids um i am going to i am actually going to talk about star wars a little bit but not for the luke reason um but like as a as a whole specifically the original um Actually, not even an original. As the, the entire like Skywalker series, they do a really, really good job of making sure that all of their costuming is done in a way that it is both at the same time very alien looking, very something otherworldly, but also gives us tastes of things that are real world and stuff that we are familiar with uh, i think like a good like, example of that is like the empire uniforms that's that's something that uh, we as like we recognize as oh that's a military uniform but that's not something that like from our world either so it's not like it's ripping something off from our from the you know our military excuse me our military but it, it's still looking like something that we can be familiar with and i i think it, it does that throughout the galaxy and it does that's one of the reasons why why to me star wars is so like it's a sci-fi play thing that works like dune had i love as much as i love dune it does dabble in that territory of like people wearing clothes that don't make sense and like that that's there's i have no reference for the, what you're wearing um so Star Wars does a very, very good job of doing this worldwide, not just with humans, but also with like aliens themselves, having people and characters wear things that make sense for who they are as characters. And, and, and which sounds like on paper, that sounds like such an easy thing to do, but like it, it, it really isn't. It's at, hard at to do alien species with Absolutely. as much variety as Star Wars does. Honestly, as much as it's one of my least favorite in the entire franchise, 
if I'm looking at sheer costumes and variety of characters and looks, Attack of the Clones might be top of the list. Mm-hmm. I won't say Phantom Menace just because of how much time we spent on Naboo and Cor- and Tatooine, which are both very human in terms of aesthetics. Of you clearly have yeah. very like a Tanzanian aesthetic with Tatooine, a very like desert and Naboo slash Coruscant, and it's very just inner city. Yeah. Highfalutin people. Whereas Attack of the Clones, you get much more variety, I think, both in terms of creature yeah. design, which is a whole separate argument that I feel like we've had before. Uh, but costumes is a little more varied, and Revenge of the Sith is kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. Because they're focusing less on the humans and the broader galaxy and the implications of war. Uh, do you have any other sci-fi ones? I was kind of wondering if Blade Runner 2049 was going to be on. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be up, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, but like, to be fair, like it is also it does a very good job, especially building on the foundation of the first one of being like, hey, guys, like this is this. It, it doesn't do what like early 2000s movies do, where it's just like, hey, guys, everybody's going to be wearing trench coats now. <laughs> They're all wacky colors. They do that, but it's like, it makes sense. It's not just like we do things because, you know, fashion does whatever it wants and blah, blah, blah. But like it, it, the things that they do make sense. And like, obviously, this will, this is not the only time I'll bring up Brian Gosling's look, but um, like that trench coat with like the the nose bandage and like the blood all come down it, like and him being bathed in that pink light. Iconic, beautiful, you know like moving on and like okay to be fair too though like the every character has a very specific look and it's not like um at no point do you go oh i get it he's wearing black he's a bad guy got it like no like you can tell each person bad or good has their own like set like style their own personality in their clothing um it's how they act and whether or not they have creepy eyes um (laughs) is is what defines their character and kind of like tells that story as well any other sci-fi ones i'm looking no i think that's sci-fi that's it for sci-fi at least let's (laughs) let's move into uh comic book movies because yeah let's let's knock these out i have only two actually a marvel and a dc they're probably the same ones. I'm not going to lie to you. They're probably so, the same ones. Obviously, when it comes to Marvel, both Black Panthers absolutely crushed it. Uh, I yeah. actually know quite a few people that they're like, yeah, Black Panther's fine, but they're more interested in the costumes and the world of Wakanda more than any specific character because Ryan Cooler does such a brilliant job of making it its own separate identity. We often complain about Marvel costumes, at least josh and i do of a lot Mm. of the avengers stuff just feels very much same ish of like some form of a kevlar that resembles enough of the costume of the comic book character um and doesn't have its own unique identity everyone in wakanda has their own unique identity wakanda off the bat from the costumes alone felt so unique and different than everything else uh it was emblematic not emblematic that might not be the right word but it was like a just an assembly of all different types of african nations of mm-hmm. you have different influences and in style it wasn't one specific style dominating everything else it was clearly influenced by 
different nationalities, but kind of came together to be its own really, really awesome, cool thing. And whether it's, um, oh, what was, what's the guy that was in Nope early this year? And that's why he wasn't in Black Panther 2. But his group of soldiers or the Dora Milaje, they both have their own distinct style. Um, mm-hmm. you know, your royalty's got Mbaku. one thing. Mbaku, the yeah, brilliance the of showing people. how um, the people in the mountains aesthetically look different than the people that live in more or less the luxury that is the city. But even the people that live just kind of in what we can would consider the suburbs don't look poor. There is no poor in Wakanda, at least from what we see in the movie. It kind of just everyone has their different economic status and that's symbolic in the costumes. It's unique. It's different. Immediately sets you in this world. I think it's perfect. It it doesn't look Marvel, and that's why it works so well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Because there's a lot of bright colors. There's a lot of beauty. And, like, how do I describe it? It, it just, like, there's a lot of culture in it, I think, is the thing, too. is It doesn't, it feels like... Like these thing, these costumes that they're wearing could be real. They're they're not. It's not just something that some dude in a comic book chair decided to draw someday. It's not. And maybe maybe because like I still to this day find Captain America's um, suit to be very bland. And even like in the comic books, like it's an iconic look, sure, but it's very it's straight lines. It's like very like simple. And to an extent, you do want simple, but like everybody like there's such a cultural significance to everybody involved in both of in the oh, i can't i can't say both because i haven't seen wakanda forever yet but um in in the black in black panther even like to have having moving into like killmonger's design specifically like there's something very interesting about him his design being the clash of what wakanda is in that mask design and it's kind of some of his clothing, but like also he's very clearly from the outside world at the same time, um, telling that story obviously of being separated and now coming home. Um, but yeah, it's it's very very like Wakanda, like Black Panther and Wakanda Forever have done a very good job of storytelling through costume and storytelling through setting and music. I think before even getting into the plot, I think also it's. Everything people, everything people wear in Wakanda feels significant to them. Mm-hmm. Like every piece of the wardrobe feels like it has a purpose or meaning to that individual wearer. And also, without dipping into spoilers for Wakanda Forever, I like the look and aesthetic of the Talokans, basically the Atlanteans, but legally distinct Atlanteans. Namor's mm-hmm. design is excellent. It's a great update of the character from the comic, but also... The Talokan people, they do a good job of being very different aesthetically and costume-wise from the Wakandans, so it creates this really good contrast, because when you have two opposing forces, it helps that they're different aesthetically, because it's easier to tell them apart. Still, it's my weird nitpick, but Independence Day 2, when that came out, I hated the finale for that, because you had ships shooting green lasers with other ships shooting green lasers, you need to be able to tell the difference. And that boils down to costumes as well. And just, I love the visual parallels between the two. And mm-hmm, 
there's a lot of symbolism between the two of them and i i think wakanda forever and the original black panther are leaps and bounds better than any other marvel movie in terms of its costume design um but for my dc movie i'm pretty sure josh and i are on the same page here dc's i think dc by and large is better at their superhero costumes than marvel by a wide margin Zack snyder may not be the best storyteller but boy does he know how to make costumes that ben affleck batman suit is perfect uh superman suit is a little too muted but it's still like aesthetically the best suit we've ever gotten just needs to be a little bit brighter but no one comes close to james wan's aquaman Mm -hmm. put some respect on that man's name that king suit alone oh. puts him on this list. Like, I mean, okay, yes, let's talk about the Atlanteans, how everybody, like, the you, you're literally, and I think that's why, like, to me, this list is, like, uh, this movie is definitely makes this list, because you're literally having to create a culture's uh, dress, not just the Atlantean, Atlanteans, but all the subsects of, of, uh, of Atlanteans as well, um, and to dress them and build all of that culture from the ground up and what that might look like um, is, in, is an incredible feat to say the least. Uh, but like everybody, like kind of like in the, in the same um, way that in Wakanda, everything everybody wears makes sense. It feels like, like that what they're wearing means something to them uh to even to like the point where ocean master puts on that ridiculous helmet it doesn't feel ridiculous because it may it feels like it makes sense for him and it makes sense for the character and and what what the of the culture that we understand at this point so it's just it's it's a very well done movie when it comes in terms of costume design uh and even to have the king suit be something a we thought we'd never get b be so gorgeous and so color different than anything we'd seen up to that point like yes i get it storytelling through 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 art but like at the same time it is so significantly different that it it makes such a heavy impact when we actually see it i think also the aquaman suit when we finally get to the golden green which again Never thought we'd get it, and it's so perfect, and I love it. A lot of times, especially with Marvel movies, and people smarter than me have commented on this before, superhero movies, it feels like, at times, is afraid to embrace color and saturation with their superhero costumes. And Aquaman was like, nah, screw it, man. We're going to make it overly saturated. Like, you see Mara's hair there? <laughs> That's not real at all. That's way oversaturated. But take, take the weird hair away. The costume looks really solid. Uh, the Aquaman suit's great. The Black Manta suit is perfect, but somehow they figured out a way to improve even that for the Lost Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Ocean Master looks great. Um, but all the supporting characters, like the Atlanteans, I love Volko's suit. Uh, I don't like the de-aging that they did on him at that one scene, but yeah, the supporting characters are makes it too. Or um, Ocean Master's henchmen in the red like, yes, they're just stormtroopers, but I love that they have water in the face masks, a la yes. like Buzz Lightyear almost, and the kind of almost fish-like nature of their suits. That's just a really cool detail. Uh, we're not talking sound design, but the sound design for their water guns, like the water plasma mm-hmm. guns, I think is a brilliant touch. Again, we're trying to look at the whole picture, and yeah, Aquaman would be on here just for the gold suit alone. 
but everything else around that first Aquaman is leaps and bounds better than any other, I think, not only DC, but Marvel movie as well in terms of the costume department in terms of just embracing the color and saturation, but loyalty to the panel and still somehow making it work. Uh, honorable mention to Shazam. Uh, I don't know how I feel about his new suit. It also looks mm-hmm. like it might fall into that category of like overly designed a little bit. But Shazam's another one that really leaned into that. It's okay to be bright and colorful, just kind of adapt what's on the page. Yeah, well, I mean, to Shazam's credit, you either adapt all those colors or you don't do Shazam. Um, so the, I think the other, another thing for, for Aquaman is that uh, even that little Italian vi- village that they go to, like everybody, it feels alive. Everyone feels like they're real people. It's not just a, it doesn't feel like a bunch of extras that are just happen to be an Italian looking clothing or like fisher fisherman clothing or whatever but it, it like there's a lot of the areas in this film where every the, the world just feels alive and i, I think like the co- the costume design does a lot to, to to make that happen um i'm gonna lean on to something that is a, I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and transition into uh something that's <laughs> technically on our little graphic there uh i want to talk about wes anderson obviously uh grand Puda- Budapest Hotel is easily one of the most, you know, it's it, it's the one that got it's the one that got it has the most attention. Obviously, it's the for for me. I think for main main like the main audience, uh, general audience, that's the one that most people know. But like, I think you could go into even like Moonrise Kingdom. I knew you were going to say Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, Life Aquatic, like even the French Dispatch is very good about having specific kinds of costume design for every single separate story and i understand like technically it's animated but like like the isle of dogs and fantastic mr fox is like incredibly well like costumed uh it just in that like not just the colors and the but to it never feels like well it doesn't make sense why why edward edward norton who's a scout troop leader is wearing boy shorts this entire time like you feel like he no no like he's because of the character and the situation he's in you're like oh no he's like the bottom of the totem pole and they honest honestly he's probably wearing such tight clothing because uh they didn't have an a, a, an adult or they didn't want to give him an adult uniform because like you go to the other to the camp and they're like uh oh everyone's everyone looks normal here interesting uh but yeah i i think wes anderson films in general are always incredibly well costumed um life aquatic is all those little like uh the little little uh little suits that they wear the little blue ones with the polos adorable so cute Uh, but like everybody feels and those little hipster hats Yes, the little berets and stuff. Like everyone belongs in the world that they're in, and he, I, oh, I like. I won't. I won't like drabble on about Wes Anderson all, all the whole time. I we, will. We both know. Great. Uh, we both know. I both love him so much. <laughs> I, well, I just, I love him so that so much that he. It feels like his movies are built. He's like, hmm what colors do I want to build this movie off of? I haven't written a script or anything like that, but let's go uh, with warm orange, uh, (laughs) green and uh, like, like, and white. Those are going to be my colors. This movie or let's, let's, let's write the movie from there. Yeah. But yeah, Budapest hotel is like notorious for this. It's because it's so well done because it's just grand Budapest hotel is like one of those really, really, really fancily decorated cookies. 
Sure, it's yes. going to taste really good, but it's just so pretty to look at first. Everything <laughs> pops so much, but also I love Grand Budapest in a lot of it is very simple of good guys have this aesthetic, very bright, poppy colors, but then bad guys like Willem Dafoe are in black leather jackets, like the most stereotypical <laughs> villain, but also like you actually have... Um, Adrian Brody be a mustache twirling villain. It's so yes. perfect. Like it's so just on the nose that it actually it's so ironic that it ends up working incredibly well for the movie. Uh I just love all the aesthetic of Grand Budapest from the cinematography, but the costumes I think are a great accent for it. Uh the purple of the hotel, just chef's kiss. Uh, Ray finds his whole getup is just perfect, and then I, I can't believe that the bully from the Spider-Man movie, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, <laughs> is the guy in this because he's so different, but it works so well. I, Grand Budapest is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Um, although I do really like the first French Dispatch, it's it's good, but something different about Grand Budapest Hotel. It's just uh, yeah. It's, well, and like the fact, that like all the the so like the the bus boys and everybody, they're all in those those purple uniforms. But it and this is just nerdy, stupid little details that you learn when you re watch too much YouTube. Um, like all of their uniforms are tailored in a way to be more similar to to like military uniforms at the time, instead of and not like traditional. Hot, like a hotel staff because that you know they're coming out of a war and whatnot so like all of their the tailoring that they would find at the time would be more in that direct it's just it's like stuff like that it's like so so fascinating and like certain characters are only ever seen in a particular color and like french B budapest hotel does this so not oh my gosh the french, uh, the french budapest hotel I, know, like, I just decided to combine all wes anderson movies um the the French Dispatch does this very very well as uh, in in like different ways outside of just having costumes change from uh, colors change depending on mood and whatnot like they switch back and forth between black and white and and color they in that I think even having the color in comparison with the black and white is is incredible to see how you can still tell things about people's characters just without the color even it's it's excuse me sorry uh, it's very interesting to. It's just Wes Henderson, man. He's in the league of, league of his own. So, I've got two old school movies, a notoriously okay. bad movie, three yep. horrors, and one all time classic. What what should I hit next, there, Josh? Let's go all time classic because I got an all time quote unquote all time classic that uh, that I think like I just want to get out of the way. <laughs> when it comes to all time classic. I'm going to count this entire trilogy, and it's more just going to be surprising that we haven't talked about this yet. Arguably yeah. one of the greatest trilogies of all time, The Lord of the Rings. Like, Of course. I mean, it's Return of the King, so you know. I mean, the whole thing just <laughs> yeah. works, but like everything in Lord of the Rings just excels, but the costume is just another area to focus on. I love that the little details of where people are from, you can tell just by the costumes of the hobbits have a different wardrobe than Rohan, who has a very different wardrobe than Gondor of, you can tell 
the writers of the Rohirrim are different people than the Knights of Gondor. I like that detail of, oh yeah, they're humans, just make them look the same, have them the same outfit. I'm like, no, I appreciate that uniqueness to it. Um, mm-hmm. I like, just like Luke Skywalker, you can chart Aragorn's journey by what he's currently wearing. Is it gross, disheveled, old, muddy outfit? Okay, that's clearly early on in the story. Or when he, quote-unquote, comes back to life. Like, he becomes... He's already handsome to start the movie, but, like, he cleans up more. He's more regal in both his outfit and appearance. By the end of Return of the King, you're just going, that is a king you die for. Um, Yes. I... I still need to this day a shirt with the design of the tree of Gondor because I, I love that design mm-hmm. so much. Um, but then you've got like Gandalf is an easy design, but also I feel like an easy one to screw up. But they Agreed. nailed that. Uh, the elves, I think, are perfect. The dwarves look perfect. I It's just Lord of the Rings. The costumes are yeah. perfect. The orcs. It, it just all yeah. works. What more is there to say? You all have seen Lord of the Rings. If not, you're listening to the wrong show. <laughs> but I, I like that. Like, it, you can tell. <laughs> you can tell if you're a nerd about it. Um, <laughs> where certain elves are from. They're not like whether they're from Rivendell or some other or the, the forest cities and stuff yep. like that. Like you can tell where people are from based on their clothing even, which is very important. Um I don't I know uh I don't know if you've seen you've watched Rings of Power yet. No, uh, not yet. Some de- okay, so th- there's certain details about certain uh, certain groups of char- characters uh costumes. I very much like saw it and went, "Oh, Oh, you guys are going to be these people. That's awesome. Okay, cool. I like that. That, that that's super cool. Um, it's like it. And it's not one of those like obvious things, but it's definitely one of those like, okay, it makes sense if you guys end up being that because that those the way that you, um, your, the way that your clothing and culture looks is very reminiscent of something else. Um, it's just yeah, they're very good. Lord of the Rings is very good about having clothing for all these characters that have. <laughs> centuries millennia of culture and th- and you know trauma and all this stuff and religious beliefs that 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 are not talked about in the movies necessarily um that all make that all come through in the costume designs and it's something that's very unique i think what's next <sighs> okay i don't want to talk about it for long but i would re- be remiss if we didn't talk uh, talk a little bit about fight club um, there's, I, I, it'd does be not having a for, shirt count as costume design. Okay. Listen, <laughs> but I think there's a lot that goes into it, it and it's, I think it's more of a subtle form. It's probably one of the more subtle forms of costume design, I think on, at least on my list. Um, maybe, but like in that, if you don't know the twist, it's very obvious. It's 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 in front of you the entire time, just in the difference of clothing and the difference of of, of the costume design between Tyler and uh, geez, I can never remember the main character's actual name, but um, the protagonist, the the Edward Norton's character. Um, it's very like it's obvious from the beginning, and they do a very good job of making those two characters, for obvious reasons, dress completely different, but like purposeful at the same time um and I, it, there's something to be said about 
having people, how do I say this? It would be easy to have all of your guys in your little soap explosion terrorist cult um, dress as like skinheads. And to to they own they approach that line, but they never go over it because it that's too easy. That's too easy of a joke to make. Um, so it, it's just I know it's on it's it's kind of weird putting this like after a discussion about Lord of the Rings because like in comparison they don't do anything. <laughs> but like I think it's 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 kind of like what we talk about like in comparison to like a period piece like it doesn't it feels like okay cool that just makes sense you're doing a movie in the 70s so just do 70s clothing but it's not that simple i think what we don't appreciate enough with fight club is it knew years and years before we all knew that we should just beat up jared leto and i appreciate that (laughs) Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) The movie just knew something we didn't for some reason. So I've got two classic movies. Well, go for it. I consider them classics. They're old. Um, I'll go first with my favorite musical of all time, Singing in the Rain. Oh. What did, what did you think? I, what did you think? I was gonna, I was gonna say hairspray, but that's not that's that's a terrible movie. That's actually one of Heather's favorites. Not her go-to, but she likes. She likes hairspray. Um, oh yeah, I love. Anyway, no, I won't. I won't <laughs> you love John Travolta and drag. <laughs> that, that okay, really quick. Sorry, that is the single most uncomfortable I have ever been in a movie experience. Watching John Travolta and Christopher Walken dance and seeing about how much they love each other. So, I, it's so weird. So if he if John Travolta can't pronounce Adina Menzel, I really want to know. What he would mistake Nikki Blonsky for <laughs> Nicole Blonjanovic. <laughs> Screw you, John Travolta. Gosh, That's all I gotta say. But John Travolta is a little out there, but he he's generally a nice person. Somebody that wasn't so nice was Gene Kelly, bringing it back to singing in the rain. <laughs> I was gonna say, outside of being a Scientologist, yeah. Mm. yeah he's Gene a great Kelly guy. is a great dancer, but he was often a bit too mean when it came to stuff uh but it showed in singing in the rain of like yeah that final product was pretty legit though uh but the costumes also mm, in terms of capturing that old school hollywood that never was glitz and glamour um even for an older movie those colors pop so much they're that classic old school hollywood look i Mm, it just pops off the screen to me. It's gorgeous. It's iconic. However, not as iconic as this other movie that I feel like every child in the world has seen this dozens upon dozens of times just because it's public domain and it's on TBS like every other weekend. The Wizard of Oz. Ah. Oh, I hate The Wizard of Oz for the passion. Really? Why? Yeah, I do. I like uh, it's not my story, not my show, but yeah, that's like I. It's never been one of those things that I was like, oh yeah, this is a classic film. I like this, which is actually kind of funny that I like. You know, it, I seem to come to that point of view with a lot of classic movies, unfortunately. Huh? Funny. That should be its own. That should be its own thing. It should be on some show or something. Yeah, if that <laughs> ever gets off the ground. 
I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying. It's, not like, it's not like things outside of your control are trying to kill you. Yeah. I t- <laughs> but Wizard of Oz to me is, I won't say perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. I kind of miss the hanging munchkin in the background of the forest, even though it was debunked that it wasn't a munchkin and still, still a funny fan so it was theory. Just a dude. It, it, it was just a dude hanging. Got it. I right. don't know what it was. <laughs> but I'm also a little partial because I was scarecrow at one point because I don't have a brain. Also, uh, that was around the same time as my knee injury, so if my knee didn't heal up, I would have been the Tin Man instead, because I could not walk. Um, but I think, just look at Wizard of Oz, those costumes are iconic, and just take out the main cast. You still have the people of Oz, you still have the monkeys, Mm -hmm. which is interesting, to say the least. Um... The cost. Everything about Wizard of Oz is more or less iconic, and the costumes have stood the test of time to the point of they really don't change a whole lot for that crappy Sam Raimi movie. They change just enough to be legally distinct, so they can't be sued. <laughs> That's why Mila Kunis is just a slightly different color of green. That's a whole other weird story there. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. It's just it's on that iconic I mean- scale that Josh hates fun. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, I will agree, though, that the costume design is iconic, and it's something very unique to the story, and it's one of those, like, I can't look at somebody wearing a a checkered blue dress now and not be like, oh, that's a Dorothy dress. Um, and it's a tablecloth. Even like the second one um, with those, those, those. Um, oh, Return to Oz with the wheelies? Yeah, with the wheelies. Horrifying. Horrifying. I'm good. Thank you, though. Um, like, yeah, it's, I, I can't argue with you that despite how much my feelings about the movie, it definitely is one of those, like, yeah, like you can't, it would be nothing without like a good iconic costume design for every character. So I got three horror and one that people are going to hate that's on my list. I want to save that one for last, <laughs> but what else, what else is on your list? Let me, let me knock out some ones that I think that are very very josh um so let's talk about <laughs> don't say how to train your Dr- dragon no let's talk about driver um it's like drive it, I, I, no i'm pretty sure it's uh no yeah it's it's drive yes it's drive and the character is driver which is hilarious that he doesn't have a name um <laughs> to me at least he's just driver um you know how do you make your characters stand out from a bunch of people that all look like regular people in hollywood um you know for no reason and not not no reason give him a white pure white like plat like what's that with pleather maybe a pleather i think it's pleather jacket with a giant scorpion on the back yeah sure that makes sense absolutely um <laughs> you wish you had that jacket I want that jacket so bad. Oh my gosh, I can't. Anybody that's listening, if you want to get me something for Christmas, it's that. <laughs> no, don't, don't do it. Don't actually give me that jacket. Because the more I think about it, the less and less I would actually ever wear it. Um, it's one of those things that, like, unless you're driver, um, it, it doesn't make sense for you to wear. Uh, but yeah, it's the the way they tell the story not just uh, because there's not a whole lot of dialogue in in drive honestly uh but the way that they tell the story through through costume design through costume design you can tell who's bad you can tell who's good but like at at a lot of times people are in that stay in that gray area and their the costume design reflects that 
uh, it's not something that happens a whole lot. Uh, it, it's again, I think leading into the fight club thing a little bit, it's a lot subtler in comparison to some of the other you know movies we've been talking about of like it, it he, he the jacket is becomes a symbol of his journey throughout everything because through it out through uh, through the movie it gets dirty and dirtier and dirtier um but yeah uh, uh let's talk about despite my feelings about the movie the northman the northman's ha- costume design is pretty darn good i mean it's one of those like period pieces are always going to get kind of a leg up when it comes to being more having to do more with their costume design um northman is definitely follows under under that umbrella i almost put the vavitch on here i did i i think i would i would put it under this like the the vavitch the northman and green knight all kind of go Mm. under that that umbrella of like recent at least recent recent being like in the last 10 years apparently um uh movies that like medieval style movies that have tried to do something that's not like russell crowe's robin hood that's not like these bland color palettes like of just brown leather and green clothing you know it's they've tried to do something that's a little bit more northman to to all of its credit definitely tries to tell certain story points um without saying anything just through their costuming like well in the very beginning we get we get all the berserker you know warriors you know the fast ones are in wolf costumes and the big burly ones are in bear costumes um so it it like certain like certain things like that like the, the northman does very well of trying to tell you story details through through costume design which is something i think you know obviously that's the whole point of the conversation yeah any others um let me hit one more and then we'll get into your horror how about that works for me cool so um a movie that i'm still a little indifferent on mainly because the director is not one that i enjoy all that much um Django Unchained is a you know one of the one of those I knew that's where you're going with that. Yeah, it's one of those Quentin Tarantino movies that is hard to hate. Um it's very well done. Jamie Foxx is fantastic in it. Uh I, I, I and you know I can sit here and tell and be like, "No, nah, it's just for that gorgeous blue like <laughs> suit that he wears. It's fantastic." Um but like at the same time, Leonardo DiCaprio's di- costume. Leonardo DiCaprio, like literally everyone involved in this movie, is. I mean, you can sit here and be like period piece and stuff like that, but like everything looks. It doesn't look like somebody who, with a modern sensibility, is dressing people from the Wild West. It looks like people in the Wild West are dressing themselves like they, you know, of, of the time, um, which may it on paper doesn't exactly like <laughs> if he, I feel it's comic uh, costume design whenever you talk about it feels like it should make sense like that's a that's a no-brainer you're using your costume design to tell story to, to further your story but like it, it's, it's and maybe this is a discussion we can have later on um it's surprising how many times people get costume design wrong and i think mm. jango and chain is not in that category um 
I mean, having, uh, you know, Django's clothing evolve with him through that throughout this story is fantastic. I make sure that beautiful blue suit is something that's like, you know, he, he gets, but then he doesn't end up in that. That's not the last thing he wears in the show, in the movie. So it's very interesting to see like storytelling through clothing. <laughs> then like the more I, I looked into it, the more I was like, oh, this is actually really fascinating. <laughs> so I got three horror ones. Well, I'll go two and a half horror movies okay. actually, because this one, I think a lot of the reasons people didn't really uh, resonate with this one is bad marketing. This movie was marketed as a scary movie when in reality, it is a gothic romance. And no matter if people liked it or not, they all came together and agreed, holy crap, Crimson Peak's costume design. Oh, dude, how did I know? Oh, Crimson Peak is fantastic, yes. It has such good costume design like everyone is like in their prom best more or less it's like one of those it is if guillermo del toro did a period piece of like that era i'm still really really mad he never did a universal monster i'm still mad guillermo never did a universal monster movie i'm still kind of holding out hope that someday maybe someday um but everyone is just wearing their absolute best uh crimson peak is a visual spectacle both in terms of it's mm-hmm. like sets uh it's cinematography but also it's just costumes are just going above and beyond like we always say like those period pieces are ones that the academy definitely looks at and this is one of like oh yeah that is some oscar baiting right there with how good those costumes mm-hmm. look yeah no absolutely if only the story was just as engaging um okay yeah. you know what? actually that's not fair it's not bad it- it's not bad. It's not. And I think I would love to go back and rewatch it without the anticipation that it's going to be a scary film. It's like, it's the most Guillermo del Toro movie there is, honestly. You, you know, you're in this gothic, gothic kind of universe that is inherently kind of scary, but the scary is that the horror is not the point of the story, which is like something why I think I'm. I, I, I feel bad I haven't watched his new Netflix show yet because um, I've heard fantastic Where things about... Where will find that? It's so good! Yes. Um, so, like, I, I'd be curious to go back but like and watch it without the uh, the the anticipation of it being, like, terrifying. Um, but, yeah, the costume design is fantastic. Like, you never... It feels otherworldly Victorian but also like familiar Victorian at the same time. It, mm. it, it's very, it's very like you can tell everybody, everything, everything everybody's wearing is like just a little off, but not so off that it doesn't make sense to you. Another in that same kind of lane of Victorian, but slightly hornier than, um, <laughs> Josh making a Bridgerton reference. Are, are you, <laughs> Are you a closet Bridgerton person there, Josh? I am not. No, no. I, You're not in the closet about I... it. You're just openly a Bridgerton fan. No, no, no. Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> this is like, this is like with that moment where we were like, so Josh is just a furry herd. Um, no, I, I am. Bridgerton is one of those shows that I'm just aware of. It's a pop ah, culture same, thing. Okay. Same. I don't know. What you, it's like knowing what uh, euphoria is. I've never seen an episode, but like, I know what it is. Oh, no. So like Crimson Peak is romance at its heart. This movie is that ish. Just turn up the horniness a lot because Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman <laughs> is yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. you know what? I yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have thought of to describe it that way, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know like yeah. Well, Gary Oldman just wants it, man. He just wants it. Also like okay. Him, it's an okay movie with really, really great costume design, except for, and here's where I'm going to step on some toes, except for when you see Dracula in his battle armor. It looks like licorice. It looks like <laughs> he's wearing Twizzlers to battle. Granted, it I looks cool in, silo- in silhouette. I, I, I'll connect these dots, okay? I'll connect these dots, right? So, <laughs> so Dracula is horny, this movie, right? That's his thing. And so horniness he makes you want to lick things so he makes nope, his armor we're not going down this like road <laughs> licorice because <laughs> no <laughs> okay i heard <laughs> i tried you can't say it's okay can't say i didn't try we've peaked at 200 <laughs> episodes we're going all downhill after this we did new <laughs> graphics and beer, baby. new <laughs> graphics and everything and it all just goes to crap um yeah but yeah Brom Stoker's Dracula is not my favorite Dracula incarnation by any stretch of the imagination, but like Crimson Peak, it does a lot of things really, really well. Um, unfortunately, casting Keanu is not one of those things. Uh, oh. But costume, set, cinematography, it's all excellent and adds to this gothic atmosphere. However, it's not my favorite horror movie or even my favorite gothic movie when it comes to costume design. When it comes to great costume design, you always have to look at the man, the myth, the weird legend that is Tim Burton. And honestly, my hey. favorite Tim Burton movie, Sleepy Hollow. I uh, yeah, love Sleepy yeah. Hollow so yes. much. It's fantastic. It's, I mean, it's by far not my favorite like rendition of Sleepy Hollow, but like it's it's just so cool. The, like like you said like the don't i see you laughing at me and i because i know what you're thinking no yes, actually just, like yeah man it's good it's super good man i just yeah it, i'm not much and to be fair give tim the credit like as much as i don't like a lot of his films and i'm gonna catch some hate for that but they're just not i recognize they are not for me um i'm also not that into musicals and some of them tend to just be musicals uh but like even things like Sweeney Todd or or um no oh jeez uh Edward Scissorhands like everything has a very specific aesthetic a very specific design to everyone's costumes and he sticks to that and you never feel out of place in that world you, everything looks exactly how it you like you instinctively instinctually feel like it should look in those movies especially especially Sleepy Hollow Sleepy Hollow has such a very specific energy to it it is yeah. just like spoopy the movie and it's really just how to describe it of like <laughs> constant fog and it feels very desaturated and i know i said i wanted more saturation but i want that for my superhero movies not my for my horror stuff it's yeah. also very much just a blatant homage to the old hammer horror films mm-hmm. both like aesthetically but also the costumes are very much a throwback right and the casting are throwbacks but the the look of the entire movie is so distinctly Tim Burton, but at the same time, not entirely. Like he's still very much like J.J. Abrams, like fanboying over someone that he grew up with. Except instead of Spielberg, yeah. this time it's the Hammer films. Um, I love the Headless Horseman incarnation with this of absolutely bonkers Christopher Walken with 
filed down teeth. Like, it, it's it's a choice, and I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a choice, all right. Imagine that Christopher Walken in Country Bears. Imagine that Christopher Walken in Hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back. Okay. So I got two left. Okay. One's the, the horrible movie and the other is just another one that. What, what's the other play. one? You're not going to be surprised by this. At all. Don't say how to train your dragon. It's how to trip. No, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> I, I almost put that on there, but it's, I, it's, it, it like George Miller created an entire like genre of, of like post-apocalyptic wear, uh, you know, to this, to the, <laughs> From the the war boys who are white white as can be and wearing war boys, um, um, maybe all praise the Morton Joe, uh, to like to a Morton Joe's design to um something as simple as like the chastity belts that that the the um that they wear that they're like have the teeth and stuff like they're very like unique but like post apocalyptic stuff is it like movies they tend to have like a very specific look and george miller has always done a good job of trying to make sure that that look is still specific to his to his world whether that be you know like a modern joe like how max looks different in this film than he does any of the others and that's okay i mean outside of the fact that he's played by somebody else but that's not which has led to theory um, say he's a different max that is also a thing um but even like the guy wearing the bright red pajamas playing a flaming guitar. I was going to say, when like, are you mentioning flaming guitar, man? Yeah, yeah, he's the coolest person on the, on the face of the planet. Like, I, if I could have, if I had an actual dream job, it would be that. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. More reason for you to watch Werewolf by Night. There's a man with a flaming tuba. Yeah. No, dude, I watched it. Do we not talk about that? I, I thought you I, did. I, it. I thought you hadn't yet. Yeah. No, no, no. I watched it last week. Okay. Okay. I was or like, week, week before. Sorry. Yeah. Blaming yeah, yeah. tuba Sorry, man. The, the 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 week before that we took off for for the two hundred. Yeah. 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 I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 No. Like that is like the dream job. Obviously, be just wearing like my, in my pajamas, playing a oh, big old onesie metal guitar, dr- <laughs> like driving my horses into battle. Like that. There's nothing better, man. There's nothing better. Even like I love, and this is such a fury road side tangent obviously but um i love that even when he mad max like goes to get to fight try to fight him the guy's like stop no i'm just trying to play guitar man like leave me alone <laughs> like as soon as matt as soon as max is off of his car he's like all right cool back to it <laughs> so our last one that we purpose to say for last i would not be surprised at all if josh and i have the same movie because Josh and I have a shared history with this movie dating way, yes. way, way back. So yeah, we, yeah. we do have the same one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we the- absolutely do. Because it was one of the only things about this movie that we were like, wow, this is actually like the best thing about this. Film. You cannot absolutely. get, you cannot get any better than this. Like I know we're getting a remake of this and they're hoping it'll be better this time around, but y'all are going to hate us for it. But the last Airbender movie by M. Night Shyamalan has honestly some of the best costume design and adaptation of a source material you could ever get. Like, yes, the last Airbender is truly awful. They don't know how to pronounce names. They don't know how to use bending correctly in a movie. But just look at what the designs are for the characters. And it is so faithfully represented. Aang looks perfect. 
Zuko's costume looks perfect. Everyone's outfits and how they aesthetically look from a costume perspective, not a casting decision, but yeah, a no. costume decision. You actually really can't improve on that. It looks yeah. exactly like the show brought to live action in a really well done way. It's just, you know, how they cast the movie is an issue, a big issue. Uh, it's it's how the action is delivered. <laughs> yeah. It takes five benders to move one small boulder very, very slowly. Oh, the boulder is a generous word. <laughs> a very generous word. It's a boulder yeah, like, statement. It, it, <laughs> the boulder thinks that <laughs> but most Gosh, people take it show. for granted oh boo uh yeah but no it is definitely one of those things that like you yes you took a very fleshed out world and um made the races wrong and cast a white dude as an eskimo and uh, 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 sorry that's not the right terminology there but i apologize for that uh, it, but like there's so many things that are wrong <laughs> with the last airbender but the costume design is never one of them ever like everybody looks fantastic it is very clear that whether i doubt it was m night Shyamalan, but whoever designed the costumes for that movie actually knew, cared yeah actually really gave a darn and like put a lot of effort into it and to the point where like like there's certain like everything just looks exactly like the show would and you're like okay cool if it wasn't for the terrible action and acting and the the characters didn't feel real then actually this feels like it could be a pretty accurate representation of what the show is but uh yeah but then i'm next Shyamalan decided to direct it and now and it was garbage so there's that yeah again like five good things taught us many things as even if it's a movie is terrible you can appreciate some aspects of it and again i they really couldn't have improved the costumes at all for the last Airbender because mm -hmm. the rest of the movie doesn't care about the source material but the costume department clearly clearly did care about the source material well what do you guys think what are some of the best costume designs that you've ever seen in movies it can't be a specific character it has to be the movie as a whole what do you guys think let us know in the comments below we always like hearing from you guys and as always if you like what you hear and you want to hear more subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on what's itunes spotify google podcast youtube and if you haven't already subscribe to us on youtube at uncharted media and as always stay short movie guys and gals